Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. Our Sunday services have now moved online and you can tune in every week for worship, prayer and our weekly sermon by going to christchurchlondon.org forward slash church hyphen at hyphen home. We're now going to hear the talk from this week's Church at Home service. Hey Christchurch family, my name is Raf, my wife Emmy and I are part of the East service and under usual circumstances I help to look after and lead our evening services but one benefit of Church Online is that it is so great to be able to share with you all today. We are heading towards the end of our summer series on living by faith. We've been looking at Hebrews uh, chapter 11 and in it the writer to the Hebrews has given example after example of how men and women have come before them who have lived by faith. I imagine that each example would have sort of chipped away bit by bit at the doubt and fear that um, the original heroes might have had and instead inspired a bubbling up of faith. And it's our prayer that as a church during the series we would get to experience that same kind of um, welling up of faith, that same uh, inspiration of faith and call to faith, both individually but also collectively. A couple of weeks ago, Liam looked at the first part of Moses' story. Today, we're going to be looking at the next part. We pick up the story at one of the big, kind of dramatic, cinematic points in the history of the Israelite people. At this point, the Israelites were a large immigrant community in Egypt that were being oppressed. They were enslaved, they were in forced labour. They were living in a kingdom of incredible wealth and, and power, and a, a kingdom that was an oppressive cultural and economic system defined by unlimited accumulation and accomplishment. You know, a culture always defined by needing more and more and always getting ahead, even if it meant trampling on others to get there. Perhaps it's not too distant a concept for you and I to imagine today. So at this point, Moses has left the prestige and privilege of being part of Pharaoh's family and instead is living in exile from Egypt. Moses then has an encounter with the invisible God, which, in which God speaks to him through a burning bush and sends him to go to Pharaoh, to go back to Egypt and command him to let the Israelites go. This begins a to and fro confrontation between the invisible might of God and the power of Pharaoh, which is the story of the 10 plagues that many of you, I'm sure, will be um, familiar with. But the result of it is that after giving Pharaoh multiple chances to relent, Pharaoh's evil eventually goes past the point of no return. And so God ends up using Pharaoh's hardened heart and bends it further towards his own destruction and heartache. Pharaoh finally decides to let the Israelites go, but as they leave, he changes his mind. He gathers up a huge army and pursues them for a final showdown at the Red Sea. With the Israelites caught between the, you know, sort of the Red Sea in front of them and Pharaoh's army um, on the other side, they are left with seemingly no way out. That is until God makes a way for them to pass safely through the waters and step into freedom whilst the Egyptians charge after them to their own destruction. This is an epic story of faith that is used by the writers of Hebrews to um, encourage the readers to live by faith and, and choose to see beyond the overwhelming circumstances. One of the big motifs in this part of the letter of Hebrews is this relationship between living by faith but also looking to the unseen, looking ahead. 
A motif is like a recurring pattern or image in a piece of art. It's a bit like a calling card or something like that. It, it tells you something about the author or the overarching theme. It really emphasizes what they're trying to get across about themselves. Um, so a motif you might see, for example, too frequently, perhaps if you come across a certain Liam Thatcher's Instagram feed, is a loaf of sourdough bread. And uh, when you interrogate that deeply, it would tell you that he really likes sourdough bread. And just like how that motif kind of shows us something about him. Likewise, when we look at these verses across Hebrews, we see repeated mentions of looking to the unseen, looking forward. We really get a strong sense that the writer wants us to see how keeping our eyes beyond the current circumstances, beyond what's visible, and instead trusting in the one who is invisible, and how it's central to living by faith. The first mention of faith in this chapter defines it as the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I think if asked, most of us would have a similar worldview in the sense that we would, I guess, agree that our lived reality encompasses things that we can empirically see and understand and measure and know in full, but also encompasses things that we can't. For example, many of us, I imagine, would see love as some, or at least I hope, would see love as something more inherently meaningful, more deep and richer than just neurochemicals firing off in our brains. Even though it's something that we can't empirically understand or prove or see, many of us are comfortable with that um, idea that as an existence we can um, not wholly or understand everything, but in practice we live out our lives in the opposite way. We live our lives out empirically. We make decisions based on what we can know for certain or understand in full or prove. When it comes to the big moves or decisions of our lives, then what is not seen basically doesn't exist and what cannot be understood in its entirety might as well be myth. The Hebrews who wrote this letter, I believe, had a different worldview. Hebrew 11 verse 3 says this, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This is the worldview that formed the foundation for Moses' faith. For Moses, the invisible nature of God did not stop him from being able to see God, but rather was part of his understanding of the world. And before we go any further, it's probably worth asking ourselves and thinking about what is our worldview? What is your worldview? Are you comfortable with the idea of a world and a universe that both on a big and a small scale is full of mystery, full of unseen forces shaping our existence? That we as humans are created with hearts and minds and souls and bodies that get to grasp in part but not comprehend in full? If this is something that you'd like to spend a bit more time thinking about or wrestling with, then perhaps an alpha course would be of really great use to you. We have one, um, the next one starting in the autumn term, and I think it can just be a brilliant place to ponder some of these, these things. The view of the world that um, Moses had was one full of seen and unseen wonder and power, and it formed the foundation for Moses' faith. And if we allow that invisible nature of God to be something that we can sit with and allow it to shape our worldview, then we can be like Moses who, as the message translation puts it, was able to keep his eye on the one that no one can see and keep right on going. As we look at the passage, we can see that Moses' um, eyes were not on the anger of the king, but on God. 
the God of his forefathers, the God that spoke to him and, and called out to him from the burning bush. However, we don't all get to have a burning bush moment. I kind of find it really encouraging that even after all this had happened to Moses, we'd later see that um, you know, he would go on to still feel like he needed to see God. He would go on to still long to see more of God. Uh, even going on you know, as, as far as to ask God to reveal his glory to him so that he can see it. And for some of us, keeping our eye on God is a little bit less kind of signs and wonders and it feels more like God playing a cosmic game of hide and seek. Sometimes God speaks to us in our minds, sometimes in our hearts. Sometimes we see him revealed in and working through the people around us. And all of these are amazing, amazing ways. But one way that we can see God um, and see how he reveals himself is through this collection of stories and wisdom texts, letters and poetry that we call the Bible. Although the Israelites didn't have the Bible as we would you know, define it today, they did have a rich oral tradition of sharing stories and remembering what God had done for them in the past. This all reveals God's character. Now, if I was telling you about a friend of mine, I could describe them to you. You know, I could show you a, a picture of them. I could even maybe just like introduce you over a quick Zoom call or something. And you would probably, you know, be able to get a glimpse or a sense of what that person is like. Now, if I told you some stories about that person and some of the things that we've got up to, um, you would have a far better understanding of their character and what motivates them, what they're really like. And this is why reflecting on God's character through the narratives and the accounts in the Bible is really important for our faith. It helps us to keep an eye on the one that no one can see. We can get a clue of what Moses and the Israelites um, reflected on God, um, what they thought about him, his character, from the songs the Israelites sing in Exodus 15 after the crossing of the Red Sea. Interestingly, it's the first song of praise in the Bible, and it's a song about how God confronts evil, but also how he redeems and will lead his people into the promised land, into freedom. Exodus 15 verse 11 to 13 says this, Who is like you? majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. This is the invisible God who Moses and the Israelites had their high on. A God of power and steadfast love, a God of wonder, and I don't know about you, but for me, at least sometimes when I read these words of praise or I listen to you know, some of the lyrics in the worship songs, like the ones we've sung and heard today, I wonder, like, is my view of God really like that? Is my view of God, is your view of God as a, as a distant deity somewhere who is kind of mean and stingy, unable to change anything or make a difference? Or is it more like the view of the Israelites and Moses? A God who cares for you and I, who works wonders and guides us in steadfast love, who cares about us. The Bible shows us that this steadfast love that guides Israel out of captivity and into freedom is embodied in the character and the person of Jesus. He is the great redeemer that they were looking to and actually singing about. Jesus embodies God's character, which is um, why that after the run through of heroes of faith, after example after example, the writer of Hebrews encourages us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the finisher and the perfecter of our faith. Fixing our eyes on him that we don't physically see, but whose character and, and power we have seen and continue to see. 
it helps us build our faith. But I guess the question for all of us is, you know, what do we do with this faith? What does it look like? But I guess through the lens of the story, we can see Moses demonstrates his faith, um, his eye on the one that no one can see, I guess, in two ways. Hebrews 11, 27 verse 29 says this. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea, as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Moses' faith manifests, it, it shows itself in the conquering of fear and in perseverance. And perhaps most importantly, it manifests collectively. The last line of what we just read said that by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea. The people. This is the first time in Hebrews 11 where the phrase by faith is followed by a collective rather than a particular hero. All the stories we have been hearing about um, in the past weeks have centered around individuals. And in this uh, particular example, it stands out because it took a collective expression of faith to walk together from captivity into freedom, to conquer fear and press on. Just before the people cross the Red Sea, there's this interesting exchange between God, Moses and the Israelites. They look ahead and they see the Red Sea blocking their path to freedom. Can you imagine how scary that must have been? You know, they might have never even you know, seen the sea before, particularly as, uh, as enslaved people. They look behind them and they see their oppressors who are armed for battle in hot pursuit, wanting to oppress them again. And in the face of that, I feel like the Israelites do what most of us would do. They cry out in fear. And then God responds to Moses. He says, why do you cry out to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Now, is God being unkind here? I don't, I don't think so. Why? Because sometimes living by faith means conquering fear on the inside and pressing on and going forward on the outside. This is something that we've seen modelled in the stories of faith that we've been hearing about in previous weeks. This internal overcoming of fear has to be followed by external action, by going forward. Now, to us, it might seem you know, obvious that the Israelites needed to go forward. But that's, you know, because we get the benefit of retrospect, we get to look back at the story and it's easy to do that then. But in life, we often don't get that benefit of retrospect. And just like the Israelites, we also live in a world where seeds don't typically part, they don't typically split open. And just like the Israelites, our vision can so often only be on what is in front of us instead of the one who is invisible, instead of seeing beyond. And so conquering fear and persevering for most of us just like the Israelites, is probably easier said than done. Whatever that fear may be, maybe it's fear for our country's economy or fear of the, you know, of the racist violence and oppression in this country. Maybe for some of us, we, we face fears like fear of failure or saying or doing the wrong thing. It's so hard to take our eyes off ourselves, off the circumstances that surround us and look to something else, look to someone else. And that's why we don't do this alone. That's why community is so important. Living by faith together, you know, it is messy. We shouldn't expect it to be easy or neat and tidy. 
Likewise, we shouldn't assume that all the people of Israel were monolith and all had the same level of faith and all wanted to go in the same direction in the same way. They also fought amongst themselves. You know, we read Mo about how Moses broke up a fight between some Israelites. In fact, there's even a scene in the story where we can read how Moses shares God's promise for deliverance to the people, but they weren't able to listen to it because of their broken, their broken spirits. And instead, it, it, it took a collective welling up of faith for them to get the courage to be able to move on so that one day we, as readers, could read that by faith the people crossed. Living and walking in faith um, is not an individual endeavour, but it's a collective one. It's something that we, we do together. But what does that look like for us as a community today? particularly in today's climate when the Egypts of our day are you know, being exposed and are being challenged. I'll, I'll give you a clue, it probably doesn't look like sending a half-hearted you know, prayer hands emoji or something like that. It looks like a lot more hard work than that, like turning it up and being you know, physically there, being present when it counts, like a word of encouragement, like using your voice and your platform. It looks like sharing what you have it looks like resisting the urge to exist safely on the fringes, you know, where you won't offend anyone and no one will offend you. But instead, it looks like leaning in, like turning our backs on Egypt and walking down into the sea with walls of the sea of water on either side and keeping each other's eyes fixed on the invisible one. We stir up faith in one another, just like the Israelites move together. We, we bring everyone with us. You know, if, if you're anything like me, maybe you find Collectives too slow to manoeuvre, too slow for change. The call here is to not give up, to not just go out on your own, but to persevere together. We don't leave people behind. We, we bring them on a journey with us. Maybe you don't feel ready or you feel um, nervous about change. My encouragement to us all is to not look to others to shoulder the risk and the danger um, of walking in faith alone, but to take on their mantle as our own. We help each other fix our eyes on the visible God. We help each other to conquer fear and we, with each other, press on. So when faced with oppressive power structures that seem impossible to dismantle, we look and point each other to a God who promises liberation and is able to stretch out his hand and sweep oppression into the sea. And then we press on. We move forward together. And when faced with a poor or uncertain economy, we look to a generous God. We look out for one another. We whisper words of hope and encouragement to one another. And together we press on and so on and so on. There's a scene in the film Selma that I think is a really beautiful picture of this. In 1964, the Civil Rights Act ended legal segregation. However, institutionally and socially, black Americans were still being oppressed. The denial of their voting rights would lead to the 1965 Selma to Montgomery voting rights marches. It was led by um, you know, lots of prominent uh, civil rights leaders like Martin Luther King Jr., James Bevel, um, John Lewis, Amelia Boynton Robinson, and, and, and so on. By this point, Martin Luther King has had several death threats. And afraid of what Selma holds for him the next day, King makes a, a late night call to his friend and fellow freedom fighter, Mahalia Jackson. And he asks her to share the Lord's voice with him. She answers by singing one of his favourite gospel songs, Take my hand, precious Lord. 
It's a beautiful picture of faith worked out in community and friendship. It echoes the call in Ephesians 5.19 to speak to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. By doing this, we well up faith in one another. Faith that enables a people, a community like ours, to cross over our own Red Seas. So Christchurch family, this week think about who could you be a Mahali Jackson figure to? Who around you could do with a word of encouragement or a stirring up of faith? If you've been working out your faith on your own or have you know, maybe only recently been tuning into church at home and find it maybe a bit difficult to, to join in on church life, well, there's no, there's no pressure here. It's just invitation to lean in. Maybe your first step could be you know, joining a connect group or something like that. And finally, let's make it our aim to lift our eyes off ourselves and off our situations and look to Jesus, the one who is unseen, the one who is working wonders beyond our imagining and who is guiding us into freedom. We're going to um, worship together now in just a second, but before we do that, I'm just going to pray for us. Father God, thank you that you love us, that your eye is on us. We pray, God, that you would give us eyes to see you in the middle of whatever circumstances are facing us. God, would you turn our hearts and our minds and our souls and our bodies, our eyes towards you? Would you help us to walk together collectively in faith? Would you inspire us to encourage one another, to well up faith in one another and to press on and persevere? As we worship you now, God, would you just fill us with your Holy Spirit from wherever we are, wherever we are watching this? Would we feel a sense of your spirit settled on us now? We love you, God. We praise you. And our hearts, our minds, our eyes are on you, God. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this talk from the Christchurch London podcast. To hear other talks or find out more about our Sunday services, head to ChristchurchLondon.org.